0: It is that time of year when all of us are entering into mindset of what are we going to do next year? So it's planning season. For many of us marketers, business owners, and entrepreneurs, it is that time where we get to consider what next year is going to bring, and also how we're going to be proactive in the way that we shape our next year's plans, not just for next year, but also then into the future. So in the episode of the Neil Wilkins podcast today, I'm joined by... A man who certainly knows a little bit about planning for the future because I'm joined by Charlie Martin, who is the founder and chief executive officer of the Anti-Greenwash Charter. And we're going to explore things that you can do if you own a business or you're marketing on behalf of a brand or product or service, the things that you can do to adopt a green claims policy. And we're going to go deep into this and the steps that you need to take and how to connect with the anti-Greenwash charter as we go through this conversation. But first of all, I want to understand from Charlie how he found himself in this position. So welcome to the show, Charlie.
1: Neil, thank you. Thank you for having me on today. Really appreciate it.
0: So, you know, Greenwash, we've all seen it. We've all read it. We've all possibly been you know, fooled by it from time to time why have you suddenly decided to take, well, maybe it's not suddenly, but why have you decided to take this kind of mantle forward? Because we know it's a really important thing, but it's hard.
1: Now, uh, th- those are those are some very, very fair words, Neil. I think, um, yeah, it, possibly it's one of those situations where if we'd known how difficult it was going to be, we perhaps wouldn't even have necessarily gone on the journey in the first place. But we're here now and we've we've been, it's been a fascinating road that we've been on so far. Um, to give you a bit of background, uh, as you mentioned, sort of where did it come from? Um, I run a marketing business uh, called Gusto. Um, we work predominantly in the built environment sector, specializing in working with you know developers, uh, construction organizations, et cetera, et cetera. But what we found was that we had, I think it was the CMA's report came out in 2021. I think it was early 2021 regarding, um, I think it was 40% of all sustainability-related claims online being found to be misleading. Um, And we had a couple of clients at that time, one of which that was going through B Corp certification, who came to us and said, guys, we're really concerned about the CMA's report. We want to do something to kind of get ahead of this, um, to essentially present our brand as being one that, you know, is, is responsible when it comes to the way that we market and communicate about ourselves and so we got our thinking caps on kind of internally um, for those clients and came up with the concept of well guys wouldn't it be really refreshing if you were to actually share with your stakeholders all of those practices and procedures that you guys implement in order to ensure responsible marketing is kind of core and central to what you do and ultimately therefore mitigate what you're doing to mitigate against instances of greenwashing occurring in your own you know promotional and advertising campaigns so that was the sort of the beginning if you like of the anti greenwash charter and i guess from our perspective as an agency for as a, from a gusto point of view it was kind of then that we really took an interest in 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 responsible comms of greenwashing it's been something i think with a as we found with a lot of the organizations that we are working with, it was something that we all, we sort of just felt we'd always factored in that, you know, we're always looking to ensure that what we're saying is fair and substantiated. And, you know, we've got an evidence trail to back things up, but we hadn't ever really thought about it in kind of a, I guess, how do we formalize and clearly detail that approach? into something and that's what we did with these couple of clients and so we launched their green claims policies i think towards the back end of 2021 and we're really both the client and ourselves really encouraged by the kind of feedback that they got about you know as a result of developing these policies and sharing these policies it wasn't just feedback from their customer base but it was feedback from their investors from other kind of key stakeholders within the organization that said, it's really refreshing that we now can actually see and, and read what you are doing in order to ensure that you practice your marketing responsibly. So from there, we thought to ourselves, hold on a minute, we might have something here that would be applicable to obviously other clients of ours as Gusto, but equally other organizations that we haven't worked with previously. And so that's what led us to launch the Anti-Greenwash Charter as it saw, a sort of standalone entity at the beginning of 2022.
0: Mm, It's interesting that you use the word kind of procedure Mm. to kind of formalize something, which I think is certainly from my experience, I'd be interested in what what you think about this. But in my experience, I've noticed that quite a lot of organizations that, you know, I sort of talk to or have a hand in, um, you know, sort of, you know, helping with marketing, et cetera. Is there's kind of one of two camps. You're either in the camp that it's it's too too difficult to do. It's that kind of fear-based, if I don't look in that direction, it's not going to come and get me, you know, so I'll kind of bury my head in the sand and if, if I don't look, it'll go away kind of mm. camp. And then there's the other camp which kind of says, if we do something proactively then we'll be okay because even if we get it wrong, at least we've been proactive. But that group, from my experience, is a very is currently a very, very small group. why Why do you think it's that? people, organisations, marketers are kind of hesitant to go through this because, you know, to me, it just makes logical sense. If I can put a procedure together, or um, well, let's call it a policy, um, mm-hmm. at a very, very high level, at least I've got some form of guidance. I've got a bit of a checklist. I've got something that will, you know, sort of you know, stand up in a, in a law, law court and actually I mm-hmm. could actually say, look, this is what we're trying to do. We're not perfect, but we're at least trying and here's the evidence why, why do you think people are so reluctant to kind of go there? Or are they? Are you seeing a groundswell of people embracing this now?
1: Well, I think, so Neil, really good question. Um, let me try and sort of unpick a few things in there. So I think the first thing to say is that, that there is, there are definitely, there's a real uh, sort of um, singularity, if you like, in terms of the attitude with which organisations have uh, have engaged with us. They are all of, of, as you alluded to, of the position that they would rather have their brand viewed as an entity that is an open book in the sense of we are trying our best to get to the following. We know that we are not perfect. We know that when it comes to our sustainability credentials, it is a journey, but we want to be open and honest with our stakeholders Whilst going on that journey and sharing how we go about governing our own marketing is a part of that brand positioning. So I think that's the one thing to note is that that is a is a commonality amongst all of our signatories and all the organisations we engage with. And actually, it's a really interesting point that you raise because we have had conversations with people where they've said it's just too scary to get involved in in doing that. Um, you know, we don't we're not uh, commercially as as well positioned as maybe some of our other competitors when it comes to our sustainability journey, so we don't want to we don't want to sort of you know poke the bear if you like when it comes to to sharing too much. For us, that's that's one way of viewing it, and perhaps not the way that that we or our other signatories would view you know a, a strong brand position. But obviously, that's that's what other other people decide to do. I think coming into a bit more technicalities around what we're doing. It's fascinating to note that the number of organizations we're working with where our initial contact has been with the heads of sustainability or sustainability directors within organizations and not the marketing directors. What we're finding is that it's easier for us to engage with sustainability teams with a view that they then refer us to their marketing departments to carry out as a sort of not prescribed initiative, but very much an encouraged initiative we've had less success of engaging directly with marketing teams. And we think, and again, we haven't had this feedback, but we think that there's a potential slight concern over, well, we don't wanna have a third party come in and sort of independently audit how well we are doing in terms of practice and procedure um, that's governing our marketing, fair, fair enough. But I think from a, from a, um, from a sustainability perspective and, and sharing that sustainability narrative, that's where it becomes an easier referral internally um, to the marketing team. So I don't know if that addressed your, your initial question, but just some interesting insights, I guess, from, from what we've learned so far with the signatories that we've worked with.
0: Mm, I, I was going to pick up on the competitor thing, and I want to come back to that because mm. that one has been going around in my World for for quite some years as to is there competitive edge here with this thing? And I want to come back to that, but mm-hmm. I can't leave the point that you just said there untouched, which is this question mark about certain marketers in certain organizations. And I'm going to paraphrase you here: not wanting to have, kind of have their marketing audited. Mm-hmm. Oh, now you've kind of you've lit the blue touch paper underneath <laughs> here because. That's an interesting one. I wonder why not. It's a rhetorical question, but it's an interesting one, isn't it? If you feel as a marketer that you're doing a good job, if you're gathering analytics and all the insights for your performance of how you're doing and you're evaluating it and you're reporting the right kind of stuff, why would you not want to be audited? So i am kind of got a wry look on my face because I'm thinking, hold on a minute. What is there there that either you're hiding or you're not very confident about or that you're not actually measuring at all? It feels like there's a lot of stones that need to be unturned in that kind of organization.
1: I, I can completely agree, Neil. I, I have to say, my gut feel is that there's a there's a real lack of confidence. I don't think there are i mean, yeah, that there are clearly marketeers out there that are that are. I wouldn't say anybody's. Well, there's mass, sorry, I'm jumping around a bit here, but I wouldn't say anybody is going out maliciously, or there would be very few organisations out there that are maliciously going out to to just tell blatant lies about you know what their organisation are, are doing from a from a green or credential or sustainability perspective. I think a lot of it comes down to a lack of confidence and also a lack of clarity. The number of of organizations we work with, again, thinking about that dynamic between your sustainability team and your marketing team. Well, the, the, the reporting that goes from sustainability to marketing, there's an interpretation that the marketing function within an organization takes to the sustainability credentials and reporting that they've been shared. And that's where some issues around, well, you've taken our report and you've interpreted it in a way which now makes it unclear as to what was actually in the report initially so you're almost sort of fabricating or certainly embellishing or you know over even over optimistic with what we're sharing as a sustainability department and that's a key issue but i think coming back to your point i think it, i think it's a, yeah it's a problem with 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 confidence to say we've looked at the way that we manage our marketing we've looked at practice and procedure and we would be comfortable with that practice and pr- procedure holding up against you know, third-party interrogation, um, and I think that's that's the issue that we face. Um, it's scary to be audited. It, it is. It's you know, you 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 are going to get somebody else to go in and go, guys. Why are you doing it like that? Um, and that's that's scary for people.
0: Mm. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really interesting, this one, because I think, um, yeah, I mean, I've been audited. I've done Ofsted audit most recently, actually, this year uh, through Cambridge Marketing College. And that was an interesting exercise. Um, yeah, you have to be truly honest with yourself before you start answering questions and, you know, really own up. If it's like, mm, there was a gap there, if there's a particular thing that you thought you were doing, but actually there's no real evidence to back it up. So, yeah, it's, it's quite curious, isn't it, that um, suddenly when it's like, yeah, you know, a little bit of a knocking the status quo, potentially, then people get a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit restless in their seats. And I guess if you're not gathering evidence as you go, then understandably so. Do, do you think that? issue that you've just identified there is because we don't really understand if you if you're not in the sustainability team or you're not a sustainability lead as a marketer you don't really understand what you're talking about because this the, the, there's very little kind of playbook I call it you know here I mean you've got things like carbon literacy trust and there's a whole bunch of other you know organizations sustainable compass and you know there's lots of other kind of initiatives and models beginning mm. to emerge and gain some traction but we don't really have this definitive kind of uh, marketing Bible, if you like, where you can go in, you can follow the rules and then, you know, you've done it. It's it's this kind of, I guess, hesitancy for the, the marketing sector to sort of say, look, we kind of get bits of it, but we don't really understand the full picture. Do you think do you think that's why there is this nervousness? Because it, it kind of looks like that from my perspective.
1: And you know, I think you've hit on some really, really important points there, and I, 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 it aligns very much with with, I guess, the experience that that we've had. I think I was, in fact, I was doing a a, um, a panel discussion last week at, at an event at the Excel Center, and um, we were talking about the key to addressing, like, how do we address greenwashing? You know, how do we address the 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 the, the problem at large? And the point was made that it, it's just all around education. You know it is all about you know your internal teams understanding sustainability better. um it's understand it's it's us as co- consumers understanding sustainability better and then being able to therefore join things up and make more informed decisions. so I, I I think that's absolutely the case. I think what was fascinating for us, we did a piece of research earlier in the summer with um future build, the uh, the, the the building show um looking at and it was built environment specific, but we were looking at kind of, viewpoints and concerns around greenwashing throughout the kind of supply chain within the built environment and um one of the things that came out of that that was fascinating was we were asking people where they had seen greenwashing and actually one of the and it wasn't the number one but it was one of the noted areas that people thought they experienced greenwashing was actually within their own internal comms so essentially that they were, they were speaking to different departments, hearing different stories, different hearing different interpretations of the sustainability credentials and green messaging for that particular organization. And our response to that was, wow, if we as an organization can't be clear on exactly what you know the the sustainable the green credential, the sustainability benefit is of that product, service or the organization as a whole, how on earth have we got a chance of effectively being able to communicate? a clear, unambiguous, and substantiated message externally. Um, so I think that that those are some key points to make. I think the final point I would make about this is that I think that, the, that addressing this problem really becomes a cultural issue, and therefore it really comes down to leadership within organisations seeing the overzealous interpretation of sustainability credentials as a cultural thing that they need to address and what I mean by that is that and you I'm telling you suck eggs Neil I know as a, as a fellow marketeer but we as marketeers we're under pressure you know we've got that pressure of okay how do we take this message and how do we present it in a in as an engaging a way format you know etc as possible in order to realize our outcome that we're working on which is you know, attention metrics of some some description. As a result, if we are given a message from the sustainability team and with a lack of real clear understanding as to the parameters of that message that they deliver to us, we're then, you know, essentially tasked with trying to be creative with that. Um, It creates a conflict at, at the heart of what we do as marketeers Um, And I think what the only way we can address that is by the leadership team within an organization, Um, Embolding is probably the wrong word, but just, um, you know, ensuring that the marketing function is clear that there are no metrics that they've been tasked with, there are no, um, you know, performance goals that they've been set, that are worth them trying to achieve as a um, with the use of ill informed or, you know, poorly substantiated claims around around the sustainability credentials of that organisation, because of the potential brand branding issue that could come from being found to be greenwashing. So sorry, that was a bit of a mouthful. But I think that is the key is that, you know, it's this is a cultural problem and an educational problem within organisations.
0: Hmm. It's the the way you've described that, I think, you know, for me is really, really clear because I think there's something nice and actually very, very much needed emerging from all of this, which is almost like a, a redefinition of what we mean by the word marketing. I think for a lot of people, they understand that, you know, the full marketing mix and I'm, I'm talking more about Marcom. So marketing mm-hmm. communications here when I say marketing, so marketing with a small M, because the word consumer that you've used there... You know, this encouragement of consumption mm. which i've been you know banging the drum now for well at least 12 18 months about saying it's an ugly word now. We shouldn't be as marketers, you know, advocating and encouraging consumption because, mm-hmm. well, it's just not the right thing in this emerging world in which we're living in. So therefore, is this an opportunity? I mean, maybe through something like a green, a green claims policy or signing up with the charter, we will come on to that in a minute. Um, is this an opportunity to say, right, we're going to redefine how we communicate. So, you know, very eloquently you've described there the challenge internally, that has to clearly come first so everybody's aligned. But then the external communication obviously is really, really important as well because if what we're doing is still selling, promoting, advocating consumption, it kind of flies in the face of actually what we're trying to do here, which is you know, communicate the journey that we're on of providing value to people who want to listen. So to our stakeholders, customers, yeah. investors, whoever they might be. So this is a very long-winded way of asking a question, really. But do do you feel that that kind of redefinition of what marketing is, Plays into this because it feels very, very closely aligned. That if we say marketing is now something different, then it almost gives it permission to ease off of that hard sell and say, "Look, no, we're here for the good of everybody."
1: I am one hundred percent agree with that, Neil. I think when it, I think the only challenge is, is that when it, when it, when it really comes down to, you know, we've got senior leadership team meeting to look at you know big decisions made about you know the teams that they have at play and you know who's going to get more resource next year and who's going to you know who's potentially under pressure etc we still live in a world where those commercial metrics are going to determine the success of that marketing department so I agree with you I think that marketing functions are developing and evolving and having to be more sympathetic and nuanced to some of the macro issues at play for example the absolute brand you know um uh, danger if you like or the or the, or the 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 major issues that can result from being found to be greenwashing but I think it's in in my experience I guess there's a I don't want to be naive i guess when looking at this with clients that there isn't still that pressure to take that message that's shared from the sustainability team or report or relating to you know that product or service and finding a way of being able to present it that gets the maximum amount of attention on that product or service um but obviously doing so without having without putting it putting the brand into any danger of being found to be greenwashing i think that's it it's there's there's more considerations at play which again is what coming back to the point that i made about education i think that the marketing function within organizations just needs to be much better educated on what they're actually saying because you've made a really good point, which is that a lot of the time, I think marketing teams get hold of sustainability or green credentials of said product or service, and they really don't know what, you know, what it is that they are presenting. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry that I slightly rambled on there. But yes, I agree that the marketing function is definitely developing um, and is probably and is more nuanced. But I do think it's still at the heart of it is a commercial function. So it's yeah, it's how we it's how we balance those two things, I guess.
0: Mm. So if there is a, a a nice kind of sweet spot, there's a mid-ground here that says, okay, we need to educate. There's probably a self-education piece here mm. so that we understand the conversation. We understand where the value is coming through here. And then on the other side, it's kind of a business as usual in terms mm. of the role of marketing. This kind of sweet spot in the middle then is if we could do both sides... Would this become super competitive? Would this be um, a proposition that we're developing here that would literally you know, knock out the water, blow out the water, any of the competition? Because if we can find this, this perfect mid-ground, we're doing the commercials, but we're also doing something that's good for planet and community and, and everything else. That would seem to be the ultimate, wouldn't it?
1: Completely agree. And I think that, I, uh, yeah, I think that's the thing that's striking about the organizations that we're working with as signatories of the anti-green charter is that I think they all view the positioning their brand as being one that is open, honest and transparent about the journey that they're going on, that they're not perfect, that they are striving to get better when it comes to the green or sustainability credentials relating to their product, service or organization. That is the key point: is that you've got, and I take your point about using consumers. Let's call them customers, I guess. But um, you know, you've got customers or, or, or stakeholders for an for an entity. I think people are people are looking for that. You know, people are responding well to you know organizations that are choosing to position themselves in that way. So I think you're absolutely right. Like that's that's the sweet spot. You can you can be you can be confident about your product or service or organization and the way that you present it, but you can also do so with a, an acknowledgement, almost a humility. I think that's a key point is like, has your organization's brand, you know, the the brand that you you present got humility at the heart of it. You know, this is where we're good. This is where we're not so good. You know, these are the things that we're doing to get better.
0: Mm, Which I guess then by default opens up a, an invitation for others to collaborate so if you have people in your supply chain or there's other organizations around your organization and they get wind of this and they'll think hold on actually we could add some value with that so let's get in have a conversation it feels like that's an invitation for collaboration which of course is at the heart of getting this right because very few of us can actually do this in isolation so there's a lovely honesty i love that humility that's nice
1: it, and I have to say, it's one of those things, isn't it? In, in the commercial world, I guess, where like it's not an, not an off, often used term. Um, I think we, we were speaking to some clients talking about the use of the term vulnerability within a commercial kind of context. And that, I guess, is is really scary for people because the last thing that we necessarily want to do is present a vulnerability. But I think you know a, perhaps the a softening of that term with with the term humility and and being able to present your brand as such i think is a really strong position to find any organisation in and, and picking up on your point there neil about um the collective nature of this i think We've obviously alluded, touched on a few of the points about the sort of micro implications or the local implications of greenwashing in terms of you know the the degradation of, of your brand and your brand's uh, reputation as a result of, of greenwashing. But I think you hit upon a really interesting point, which is we need a a collective of organisations and of minds, etc., to adopt this way of viewing their organization's marketing in order for us to improve collective standards and ultimately lead to better informed decisions being made by all stakeholders about the sustainability or the green credentials of that organization service or product because that's the only way that we're going to make the right decisions at the right time that are going to enable us collectively to address the wider problem of climate change etc Um, So I think that's the big point, is that we need this to be got right so that we can all make better informed decisions.
0: Mm, I'm loving the challenge of some of these very evocative words, as you say, from a, a commercial sense. They are not in the mainstream. Vulnerability. Um, empathy is another good one humility Mm. i love that one because that's the kind of one that you think well yes of course we will always show humility but you start Mm. to add in empathy it's like "Mm, hold on a minute." (laughs) and then vulnerability it's like really (laughs) we we, we can't possibly be vulnerable but again it's about the redefinition of this isn't there because Mm. you know the power of vulnerability is it's you're 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 appealing then to the the humanity in all of us you know that human-centric feeling of connection and wanting to be part of something greater, you're tapping into that just by the very use of those words. I'm going to start to, I think next year, start to really push both my clients, but others that I engage with to start to play with that. I remember when I very first used the word love in Mm. a law firm. So I was consulting with a law firm and I said, you know, if you really wanted to do this, if you really wanted to break away from, you know, this real formality that your industry has, start using the word love. And they did. And they started to put people on the website. And honestly, this firm went from strength to strength. They moved from being kind of mid-tier to top-tier. And whether it was just for that, I don't know. But it was a really poignant moment where you just thought, that's changed everything. And mm. I wonder if there is this kind of tipping point that we could all go through. And, um, you know, I'm often challenged, and certainly my wife, about you need to show more vulnerability here. You know, you're this solid rock who just, you know, you never show a weakness and this, that, and the other. And it's like, if you showed some vulnerability, people would find that so endearing. And I know that she's right. So professionally, I can hear it and I can feel it. But it's a big old step, isn't it? And then you look at C-suite, you look at corporate table. Who's going to be the first to move? But if they do, my betting, and I would put a lot of money on this, my betting would be they're going to be the winners. Because Patagonia and, did, and look at them. Exactly.
1: Neil, the, oh yeah, yeah. And that's great. You picked them out of an example. I think that you you've nailed that. That I think it's disarming, if I'm, I'm ever. We live if you think about again. Sorry, I'm stepping outside my sort of um area of jurisdiction here but we look at the modern world and we you know it it's so polarized in terms of opinion and it's so there's so much conflict at the heart of interpretation of saying this and doing that and being viewed this way i think that sense of you know presenting a you know and and i i understand that there's a there's a there is a historical association of of weakness with the term vulnerability which is hence why we've kind of moved towards I guess, humility as being a, a perhaps a more um, accessible term for organisations that we're speaking to. But our our kind of, I guess, position on it with them is that by adopting that, it is a disarming tactic for any potential um, concerns, if you like, raised by, you know, the media broader stakeholders, et cetera, you know, if you've got ahead of the issue and said, look, we're going to be really open with you about how we go about structuring our marketing practice. And I'm now alluding this directly to the work that we do at the charter, but you can see how this would be brought more broadly applicable across, across other kind of policies and procedures, et cetera, within an entity. But for us, it's about, you know, we're going to be really upfront. We're going to share it with you. Um, you know, you can see that it's it's a work in progress. It's not perfect, but this is what we do. And and I think what that then does is, as you say, it it it, it um, aligns closely with the humanity in all of us. It becomes very person centric. It becomes very familiar that that this entity is is like me. It's not perfect, but it's trying. And I think that's a very very strong position to find yourself in because not only will you be potentially loved more as a brand, but it also gives you a very good position to go back to from a reputation management perspective
0: Mm, so let's enable people to if they're identifying with this they're feeling like yeah it's the time i need this in my plans for next year what tell me more what what can they do what what is you know adopting a green claims policy what is the charter kind of take us kind of a little bit step by step through kind of next steps you know if if this feels like a good thing to do to find out more to get on the journey where do we begin
1: um brilliant question Neil um right let me let me give me the sort of the pattern if you like so we at the Anti-Greenwash Charter, we we have a three-stage process that, that any organization that wants to do wants to go through this process can, can adopt. And so the first stage is that they apply to join the charter. Um, there's an application form essentially that that you fill out on the homepage of, of the website, which is the antigreenwash charter.com. Um, and essentially what you do is begin by just sharing some details about your current marketing practice and procedure. So here we, we ask some kind of key questions about, you know, what you're currently doing essentially. Um, and then what that then enables us to do is to go away and just do a few checks about your suitability or, as an organization to join the Andrew Green Moss Charter. So you'd be amazed, you know, actually probably you wouldn't be amazed because, um, in the world that you're in, but we've had some very interesting names of organizations that have applied to join um, the Anti-Greenwash Charter. We've had to politely decline some of those applications on on the basis that it wasn't really in the spirit of an Anti-Greenwash Charter for those entities to kind of move forward. But once we're happy with the suitability of the organization, Um, they move forward into the second stage. Or should I say, sorry, during the first stage, we also check with the ASA to make sure there aren't any outstanding issues with them, um, with, you know, claimants made uh, or problems with claims they've made about their green credentials. Once once we're comfortable, though, they move forward into stage two. And stage two is the co-creation of a green claims policy. Now, some organizations choose to create those policies sort of essentially independently of us. Others want us to be sort of far more involved and hold handhold them, if you like, through the process. Um, we do have a number of kind of sections that are kind of mandated that have to be in every green claims policy. And if I was to give you kind of, I guess a flavor as to what those things are, um, the first and, and almost a, a sort of a cornerstone of a green claims policy in our, in our estimation is your glossary of key terms that you use as an organization on a regular basis to describe your sustainability credentials. So here you list all of those kind of key definitions that you use regularly. Obviously, until we have a universal glossary of terms for some of these these things, um, that's that's a really important first step so that your stakeholders at any point in time can say, right, this organization's referred to net zero or, I don't know, offsetting of some way. I want to understand exactly what definition they're using when they describe something as that. Um, So that's a key part. Other things that are key are things like editorial process. So, you know, written down exactly what happens before something is published, who checks what, how is it independently kind of verified internally before before it goes out. Other things include like evidence and testing. So when you refer to X and Y relating to that product, like which third party accreditations and bodies do you work with in order to verify that that is actually the case for that particular product or service. And I could go on, but essentially, there are these kind of key mandated sections within a green claims policy. Once that policy has been published, and we've kind of reviewed it, and we're all okay, and we published it, that then kicks into play a 12-month license period. And during that license period, we as the Anti-Greenwash Charter will carry out at least one independent review, where essentially, we will ask for the evidence from that signatory uh, to present where they've effectively implemented all of the policies and procedures detailed in their green claims policy so to give you an idea of what that would look like to take the examples of what was included within the policy before obviously we can we can check to to make sure that the definitions detailed have been used in a particular campaign we can we can make sure that you have used used the terms that were detailed in your gcp but things like the editorial process, we asked for a redacted screenshot, um, obviously removing any other sensitive information of maybe the Slack channel or the email thread of where, you know, the appropriate people within the organization did check um, the claims, et cetera, within, within that published piece Um, etc, etc. And once we've received all of the evidence, we'll then review that evidence. And then one of two things happens. Either we look at it and we go, guys, we can see that you clearly implemented your green claims policy, you know, effectively, in which case you're verified, and you can therefore be a signatory of the charter for the following 12 month period. Or, guys, there are actually some problems here. We noticed that you've used a different definition in this live campaign to that that you used in your green claims policy. Or you failed to provide us with evidence of where, you know, you've carried out effective internal training with new members of staff on greenwashing and your adoption of your green claims policy, which, again, is a mandated section of it. In which case, please make these amends and we'll carry out an additional spot check in this licensee period to make sure that you have he did those concerns and that ultimately you can be a charter signatory moving forward. So that I've gone into some detail there, Neil, but that is the process that, that we offer. And I guess the key outcomes that that we're able to kind of offer our clients as the Antiochine Wash Charter is that um that that message that they're able to share to suggest that they have had a third party independently verify that they are practicing marketing responsibly. And that is essentially the outcome that we offer.
0: For me, the really positive thing about all of this is that there isn't this kind of dumbing down of who we are as a brand. So if I was, you know, my business recommending to sign up for this, it doesn't mean then that I have to follow a definition that everybody else is going to be following. I can personalize and customize it. So this is more of a framework then than a you need to do it this way. It's a kind of a self-policing, self-created, very personalized version of the charter really so it's i don't have to kind of lose anything as a business then i can build upon it so it's only a plus side it's only upside by the sounds of it
1: Neil, i i I love the fact that you've that you've described it like that that's that's brilliant to hear um i i we would obviously agree i think you you make a really interesting point there It, it is it quite simply these are what do you as an organization want to publicly commit to that, that your stakeholders can review and, and read and go through and and therefore be comfortable that as a result of imp- implementing these practices and procedures that you are practicing marketing responsibly. That is it. We put no you know, pressure on what's in necessarily, you know what your definitions are going to be or anything like that. We just guide you through that process and then ultimately verify that you are doing what you said you were going to do, which is the key point
0: which means then that even if you feel as a business you're very, very early into the game, and in fact this is literally your first step, you're as as able to do this at that point as you are if you are a Patagonia, for example, and you've been doing this forever, and it's actually right at the core of everything that you do. That There's nobody excluded. This is a very accessible thing, isn't it?
1: But, and that's a really interesting point, Neil. We, we've literally had organizations, we've had startup entities who have said, look, we want to start as we mean to go on. Um, we very much see this policy as something that's going to evolve over time, which again, obviously we encourage. We encourage our, the policies to not only evolve in light of you know share, us sharing best practice and sharing, um, You know, we, we share with our signatories other signatories policies, that we think are really cool that we think have you know maybe gone above and beyond and might be something that they might want, want look to adopt um equally we we look at kind of what's been what's happening from a legislative legis- easy for me to say a legislative perspective for example obviously um, some of your listeners might be aware of the eu directive on green claims you know that's obviously starting to to have an effect um it hasn't having a, a direct effect we haven't adopted all of that in the uk yet but you can see that that's starting to affect the way that people are doing things so these policies are evolving. And I think the point I was bringing up was that, yes, we've got startups that are kind of adopting this as just part of their practice and procedure that they want to implement from the start. But then we've also had organizations that are, you know, know, been around for a long time who have actually used this, and it's fascinating. I alluded to before the kind of marketing department, sustainability department, kind of dynamic. That um, I'll be honest, before we started the Andrew Greenwich Charter, we I I wasn't really aware of. I didn't I didn't understand that there was these problems around communication in lots of organisations between those two departments or or groups. And um, and what's been striking has been that organisations going through this process with us. That actually, it's it's led to them thinking a lot about right. How do we create like better internal processes for sharing and dissemination of information? So again, you know, yes, we've worked with 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 multiple types of entities. It, it really is applicable to everybody.
0: So, what's your vision for all of this? Then, where where do you see this? I mean, if we were to look into the future, maybe one year, and then say. Five years, wow, that's a long time. Maybe three. Let's let's come back to reality. One year and three years. How, how is this going to look? How is the charter going to look? How do you think the world's going to look in this regard?
1: It's a really good question, Neil. It's a really good question. I well, I think to take the the, the second part of your question as the as the first first port of call. M- my sense is is that brands are going to be rewarded for being and i know we've used this term a lot but the 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 humility and the openness um the authenticity if you want to call it that that brands are able to present i think those are those are the entities that are winning already and i think they're going to to win to an even greater extent moving forward um but we've got you know the the client or the the customer are better and better informed and they're only going to continue to to get better informed in in my estimation and therefore there is no hiding place there is no um you know the damage that could be done by getting this stuff wrong is going to be so much more significant i think as time goes on um it, it's already significant but i think it will continue to 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 get even more so in terms of the the future of the the charter we've got some really clear plans in our minds about how we go about evolving from here and and it really centers around um, developing a a real-time analysis that we're able to offer to our signatories regarding how responsible their marketing practice is currently Um, we at the moment a lot of what we do is very manual it's very much kind of um, evidence gathering based but it's all very sort of human-centric Um, We're looking at developing a software solution currently that will enable us to have kind of dashboard areas where our signatories would be able to log in and see kind of a real time score relating to how well they're implementing their green claims policy practice and procedures, how well um, aligned their use of definitions are to those that are detailed in their glossary of key terms you know, this is, that's, that's where we want to get to so that, you know, we're providing, you know, senior leadership, but also their internal marketing sustainability teams, et cetera, with this kind of feedback to say, look, guys, we're able to provide you with, you know, up-to-date clarity on how well you're doing um, when it comes to, I guess, fair and accurate dissemination of information, which is, I guess, the thing that we're practicing in.
0: Brilliant. Feels like a good future it feels like this is something if you're not already putting this into your plans this is the moment to do it it's really accessible wherever you are whatever kind of industry you're in. Yes, the built environment clearly is where, you know, Charlie and the team have kind of, you know, tested this out for you Mm -hmm. so that you know this works. And that is a critical kind of industry is almost sort of leading the way in lots of ways uh, for getting it right because they are consuming and they are building and creating. So, you know, as a testing ground, that's incredible. So uh, yeah, it's been really good to see it, you know, very robust and, uh, you know, well-created there. So how do people get in contact then, Charlie? Where should we be directing them and I can put these links into the description? Fantastic.
1: Um, so it is uh, so the website is the best place to go to the the websites on uh, at anti-greenwashcharter.com. Um so that was anti Um and from there there's there's all the information that people need hopefully that aligns pretty closely with what I've gone through today. Um, and then there's the the marketing practice questionnaire that I alluded to before that anyone that's interested in um, in taking that first step can can complete. Um I should say as well that you know i'm I'm very open to 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 having conversations with people directly if if they would like to to reach out and speak to me again there are there are details of of how to get in touch with us uh, via email et cetera on the charter website as well.
0: This has been really really. Pertinent, timely, and so informative, Charlie, and I really enjoyed the conversation. And I just think the timing, I've said this a number of times, but the timing is absolutely now. You know, this is not something that you should all be putting off until next year. You know, you need to be doing this right here, right now. Charlie, thank you so much for your time and for sharing, you know, what is a really really important crusade I can only say thank you on behalf of everyone really the uh, efforts and energies that you're putting into this you and the team because you know it is so so valuable the work that you're doing
1: Neil, that's very kind of you to say it's um as you well know in uh, in startup land at embryonic stages of things it's always really encouraging to hear that kind of feedback so thank you and thank you for having me on and for asking lots of um nice questions they were good it was good thank you